Today I'd like for you to open your Bibles with me to a very special passage. It's found in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We begin in verse 2. The prophet tells us, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. But the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken is on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you'll turn with me in the Gospel of Mark to chapter 4, verse 35 begins, On that day, when evening had come, he, that is Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them into the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this? This is the word of God. My my wife's uncle, when we had been in Florida, invited us to go out on a deep sea fishing expedition. It's kind of exciting. Uh, I've never been deep sea fishing. I'm not real crazy about the ocean. I've, I've just seen Jaws way too many times. And I just, I would rather bait the hook than be the bait. So we went out and I got to tell you, the tour guide used sonar and other technology and took us to tournament fishing spots. I've never caught so many fish in my life, even in a pay lake. We, I, I couldn't even throw my bait into the water before immediately I'm catching a red snapper or a cobia or something like this. And I'm just reeling them in. 
flounder. I mean, just amazing. We went another year. We went a second time. This time was interesting. The tour guide told us, he said, you should have bought a lottery ticket today because you have beaten the odds. And I thought, well, okay. What kind of odds are we talking about? He said, today is a very rare lunar situation. And he said, just once a year, he said, the moon does something special and it makes the ocean go nuts. And I thought, and that's a good thing. The waves came without a storm. The waves from an unusual tide went nuts. I was on the back of the boat. I'm not real crazy about heights. I can swim moderately. I'm on the back and I'm like, wow. The boat is about 15 or 20 feet above the water right now because the wave has shoved us up high. And I'm looking down going, hold on to something. In um, just a quick moment, I mean, seconds later, the water, the next wave is 20 feet higher than the boat. And I'm looking up and I'm thinking, this was not a good day, lottery ticket or not. And we caught almost nothing. And I was scared to death. And it wasn't even storming. And it was a big boat. I mean, a big launch fishing boat. It wasn't the boat that Jesus would have been on. A boat nowhere near as long as this stage. A boat probably six or eight feet wide, maybe. To be honest, kind of a flimsy boat. I've seen a a boat from that era in a museum in Israel. (laughs) It's not a big boat. And they were out on the sea. And Jesus was asleep. And the storm was raging. An unusual storm, a lottery ticket storm, if you will, on Galilee. They were scared because it looked like the boat was going down. And it looked like they would all perish, even though Jesus was in their midst. Have you ever felt like you were about to perish? Have you ever felt that you're not going to make it? Have you ever felt that there's no way tomorrow will be any better than today and today's not looking good? Have you ever left the cemetery? Have you ever left the doctor's office? Have you ever left divorce court? The principal's office. Have you ever left certain places and felt like peace had been snatched from you? I mean, life was good. It was going well. You you liked your job. You had enough money and your family was good. Health seemed good. And how quickly it all turned. Like a lunar experience. It just all turned. And nothing seemed good in your life. The disciples asked Jesus a question. It was blunt. 
because they were afraid. Have you ever been afraid and talked bluntly to people? Like, what's wrong with you? Why can't we do this? They said, don't you care about us? Have you ever asked God that question? I just lost my job. One of my kids won't even call me anymore. The cancer report is stage four. Don't you care about me? I think this time of year, it's a question that probably a lot of people ask in and out of church. Don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus of Nazareth. This is the human manifestation, Jesus. Not the eternal one in heaven, but the one that was in the boat. The one that needed to sleep like the rest of us. Do you not find it odd that everybody else is panicking? He's the only guy that's taking a nap. He's not feeling anxious, upset. He's sleeping, even on a pillow, on the cushion. When he wakes up, can you not see it? Rubbing his eyes, stretching. While the boat's just bouncing around, and the waves and the wind and all. And he hears what they say. And he stood up and he rebuked the wind. He talked to the wind. And he looked at the waves, the sea that was crashing and spraying and threatening to take their lives. Peace. Be still. It's calm. You see, the world steals peace. The world does. Satan, a part of that. That's why Jesus himself said in John 10 that the thief comes, but to kill, to steal, to rob, to destroy, but I am calm. That you might have life and have it abundantly to the fullest. There are those who want peace snatched from you. It's a far greater weapon Satan has to rob us of the life of God in the presence of many witnesses than it is to actually kill us. To kill us just sends us where we're waiting to go anyway. But if he can rob us of peace, if the world can look at you who claim to have abundant life, salvation in Christ, if the world can make you like them, they will steal your peace in a minute. They don't care. But Jesus gives peace. Has your peace been stolen? Did you think that more Christmas gifts could give you peace? 
that if the family could be more polite and get along better, you would have peace? Did you think that if your blood pressure could drop, your blood sugar could go to normal levels, your PSA and other cancer numbers could be good, that you'd have peace? Many people think that way, that there's a formula for peace. Kind of funny that Jesus said, peace I give to you, not like the world gives to you, do I give. But the world doesn't understand the peace that I give. Only Jesus truly gives peace. Everything else is a delay tactic You put off the inevitable. You put off our emotions, our failures. It's different what Jesus does. I shared with the children the lovely statue. Got to looking at it this week, thinking about my devotion and remembering the sweet lady, Lou Hawk, that gave that to me through her family after her passing. Been looking at it for quite a while. Thought it was time another family got the blessing of it. And I realized that even Jesus as a baby wasn't having much peace. Family had to move, had to take off. They were already away from Mary's homeland and gone to Joseph's and now they're zipping away to nobody's home, foreign country. And yet, God gives peace. Only Jesus gives peace. When they returned, Herod was out of the picture, but the Romans were still in charge. And the Jewish religious leaders, very jealous and and, and guardians of their traditions were oppressive. Every level, economic, spiritual, political, everything was oppressive. And Jesus still had peace. You see, the only real peace comes with that. It's not because of a raise or a bonus. It's not because of uh, a new medical treatment. It is with that. And sometimes we forget that. We think we can buy peace. We can earn peace. I read Isaiah's prophecy because I thought it answered the question the disciples asked when they said, who then is this in the midst of a storm? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And the prophet said, he shall be called the prince of peace. Today, many of you know the prince of peace but do you embrace him as such? Do you call on him? And some of you do not know him. Oh, you know about him. 
And the children did such a wonderful job being storytellers about him. You even know the songs. You know of him, but you may not know him. He wants to know you. Actually, he does know you, but he wants it mutual. So maybe today is a turning point for you. The the children gave us the basics of the background of, of what this is all about. Maybe, maybe it's time to embrace him. Say, Pastor, I would like to know this Prince of Peace. This morning, I'm going to give you the chance to do that. This morning, I'm going to give you the chance to search your heart and say, I wish to know the Prince of Peace.